we are talking about kind of who we are. For those of you who work for a company, organization, can anyone tell me what your vision or mission statement is? Yeah? Ours is business is personal. Business is personal. Yeah? Does anyone have really not know what their vision or mission statement is when they work for a company? <laughs> That's everyone else. Good job, Kimberly. Yours is really short. Usually they're like a paragraph long, and it talks about synergy and all this you know, jargon. Every organization and company has a vision or mission statement, and it's part of what defines the organization. Why are we doing this? It's not a great mission statement, but we'll revise it if things get better. This is the uh, mission statement of Barnes & Noble. Do you remember Barnes & Noble? They used to sell books. <laughs> Our mission is to operate the best specialty retail business in America, regardless of the product we sell. Two sentences later in their mission statement, to say that our mission exists independent of the product we sell is to demean the importance and the distinction of being booksellers. The first sentence, it doesn't matter what we sell. And then the third sentence, but it kind of does matter that we sell books. It's kind of confusing. Vision statements can be confusing. So we're going to clarify who we are in our vision today. Vision is just exactly what it sounds like. Vision statement just sounds like this technical uh, business term. But vision is just what we're looking at. Where are we looking? What lens are we using to look? And what direction are we looking? Dalai Lama says, in order to carry a positive action, we must develop here a positive vision. Action and vision are tied together. We all have agency in this world. We have the potential to act. We have power and influence over the people around us, the world around us. Dalai Lama says what our vision is, where we're looking and what we're looking at determines how we're going to act, what our power will look like, what our influence around us will look like. Vision leads to action. So before we can grasp kind of where you even want to go, you kind of need to understand who we are. Why do we exist? Mission Gathering Issaquah shares a vision with four other mission gathering churches across the country. We are part of a bigger family. San Diego, California, Pasadena, California, Charlotte, North Carolina, Denver, Colorado, and the newest location here in Issaquah, Washington, which Mike said is the best one. And it is a competition, yes. So we are not alone. We are part of a bigger family of churches, and, and they are having their services this morning as well across the country. So why did Mission Gathering begin? It, it began with a vision from Rich McCollin. Rich spent years working in uh, ministry in the evangelical world, and he moved to San Diego to work for some Christian organizations that had uh, influence in some of the high schools in San Diego. So he started working for those organizations and building relationships with high school students. And he realized that a lot of those high school students were some, from some really rough, difficult neighborhoods and families, and they didn't have church homes. So he invited them to church, and he would go visit churches and invite the high school students. One Sunday morning after church, he went out to his pickup truck, and there was a note under the windshield wiper. And it said, 
I'd really appreciate it if you would stop bringing those kids to our church because they were from kind of some rough neighborhoods. Um, so Rich didn't go back. So we started looking for a place that he could uh, take these kids who had no church home and very little community. And he found a Methodist church that would let him use their space on a Sunday night. And this Methodist church um, got a new bishop into the church uh, a little while after they started meeting. And what Rich was doing with these high school students was huge. It started as just a handful of kids and it grew to a couple hundred students. And he called it uh, mission. So he'd invite these kids from high schools all over the area to this Methodist church on Sunday night where they'd have a spiritual faith community, uh, a sense of belonging. And when this new bishop arrived at the Methodist church, they said, well, we really need to encourage all of these kids and their families to be baptized and converted to this Methodist church. And Rich wasn't comfortable with that. Because a lot of the families came from different religious backgrounds, different cultural backgrounds. Uh, you can't just have 200 kids and force them to convert to the Methodist church and be baptized. Um, so he was forced to leave that space. He came across, at this point, the Disciples of Christ denomination. And the Disciples of Christ denomination had this mission statement. We are disciples of Christ, a movement for wholeness in a fragmented world. And as part of the one body of Christ, we welcome all to the Lord's table as God has welcomed us. The Disciples of Christ denomination was based around a table, the Lord's Supper, communion, and the idea that every single person is welcome to that table. And the reason this was such a big deal is in the early 1800s, Denominations would take communion every Sunday, but they would say, unless you have been baptized into this congregation that we are a part of, then you cannot take communion. People of other denominations would have to sit in the back. When people came up to take communion, they were not allowed to come forward. And some denominations, uh, the Catholic tradition in, in uh, Europe, where the founders of Disciples of Christ came from, you'd have to have a token, a coin, in order to take communion. It was like a transaction, a monetary transaction, and the poor could not afford that coin. So you ostracize the poor. They cannot take communion at the Lord's table. You ostracize anyone of a different belief system, different religion. You ostracize anyone of the same religion, but another denomination. Well, we disagree on these few little things. That doesn't matter. You cannot take communion and be a part of this community. And so the founders of this denomination had a big problem with this. They believed that of all the divisions that were happening in, in uh, Christianity, we're all just trying to follow the same person, the person of Jesus Christ. So they argued for unity. No matter what you believe about these different interpretations of the Bible, we are all one. We're all united under Christ. So everyone should be able take communion. So they would go out into the countryside to all of these towns that didn't have churches and they'd set up uh, logs for people to sit at and they'd set up a, a table and for communion and it was time to take. You know, the Baptists would be sitting in the back uh, and the Presbyterians over there and they wouldn't come forward because they were not of this denomination and the, 
the leaders of this movement said, you come to the front because all are welcome to the table, no matter where you come from, no matter what you believe. And so they formed the Disciples of Christ denomination. So they carry that value today. So Rich found a home for the marginalized high school students in the Disciples of Christ. So with the help of uh, the Disciples of Christ, mission became mission gathering. The first church started in San Diego. The vision of this church was that we are on mission to love our neighbors and to love those the church world has pushed aside. We are here to provide a home and a safer place for those who have been marginalized by the church. So we are gathering around the table as disciples of Christ do, where everyone is welcome. Straight, gay, lesbian, transgender, non-binary, not sure, white collars, blue collars, conservatives to liberals, Republicans to Democrats, and everything in between. It's a messy community when you have that kind of diversity. But that is the community that Christ began in the first century, 2,000 years ago, where he broke down the social and religious barriers. He said, stop putting up walls that keep people from experiencing the love and grace of God. And that is why Christianity spread. And we have not done a good job as a church to keep that pattern going. We have been experts at building walls to keep people out. Mission gathering said, not anymore, not for us. We will not do that. Rachel Held Evans is an author and speaker, and uh, she passed away last year at the age of 37. And she was a, an instrumental part of my own faith journey in the past few years. Um, and she said this about mission gathering. One of my favorite churches in the country Mission Gathering has managed to attract throngs of young people by fostering a community that is diverse, inclusive, biblically literate, spiritually connected, appreciative of both liturgy and contemporary worship, and absolutely bursting at the seams with grace. What is so cool about this is that we've been here since May, and I have not given this sermon before. And everyone that has come in to Mission Gathering and, and everyone who's come to visit us from Missouri, where we're from, has said the people here are so kind and full of grace. The people of Mission Gathering are bursting at the seams with grace. You all are so kind and loving and hospitable because that's who you are. And that's what makes Mission Gathering Mission Gathering. So, our vision, our mission, we exist to be a growing community of followers of Jesus, dedicated to growing in faith, living whole lives, and seeking justice for the good of the world. The next few weeks, we'll kind of break this down. We are followers of Jesus, dedicated to growing in faith. That's not the same as belief. Faith is not the opposite of doubt. We're going to talk about that living whole lives. Whole lives is what we understand as salvation. When it says that Jesus saves in the New Testament Greek, 
what literally means to heal and make whole. So we're going to talk about what that means to live a whole life and then seek justice for the good of our world. We will be a community of people that is actively working within our community to meet the needs of the most vulnerable. And that does not just mean uh, doing what we've done of, of providing coats and, and meals for those who are hungry. It also means looking at what are the systems in our community and society that are oppressing people and how do we work together to figure out what we need to do to stop that. You have charity on one side where we give because we feel bad, but then we have justice, which means we build relationships with the vulnerable and everything that we do to help them is born out of our love for them. And we are looking at the top level, what are the systems that are keeping them from living whole lives? And then we partner with them and empower them. So we have to figure out as a faith community, as a church, how do we do that? And it's not an easy conversation. It takes a lot of time and resources, but that is why we are here. So we'll talk about that. The whole life and message of Jesus was to include the social and religious outcasts. And we are here to do the same thing. And even Jesus' followers had a hard time wrestling with that. In Mark 9, John spoke up, teacher, saying to Jesus, we saw a man using your name to expel demons, and we stopped him because he wasn't in our group. Jesus was doing all of these things to open up the door to people. He was uh, spending time with with women, which was taboo for his uh, community. He was uh, having, having meals with prostitutes and tax collectors, which was so taboo for his community. He was opening up the doors to all of these different people that his religious community said, no, they do not deserve uh, the grace of God. They do not belong in God's family. And the people closest to Jesus, who should have known better, said they're not one of us so we told them to stop it's hard to get out of our tribalism our us versus them mindset but that is why we are here to break down those walls and say stop the us versus them everyone is welcome to the table Jesus calls us to be more inclusive than that and Paul writes about this in one of his letters to the church in Ephesus that he helped start he said, the Messiah has made things up between us so that we are now together on this, both non-Jewish outsiders and Jewish insiders. He tore down the wall we used to keep each other at a distance. He repealed the law code that had become so clogged with fine print and footnotes that it hindered more than it helped. And then he started over. Instead of continuing with two groups of people separated by centuries of animosity and suspicion, he created a new kind of human being, a fresh start for everybody. Christ brought us together through his death on the cross. The cross got us to embrace. And that was the end of the hostility. And that is why we exist, to continue that tradition. Where we see an attitude of us versus them, we will say you are welcome here. We will tear down that wall. Where you see an attitude of us versus them in your life and your world around you, as followers of Christ, it is our responsibility 
to call it out, say no. Every single human being on this earth has dignity. At their core, carries the image of God. So we will choose to see and love the image of God in all people. And that is hard because we don't always live out of that image. And that's really hard. But it is what's required for wholeness in this world, in this fragmented, broken world. For those who aren't sure what they believe about God, about the Bible, this is a safer place. This is a home. For those who aren't sure how to navigate the hurt that has been caused by religion, I have been and still carry my own hurt from religion. Um, hurt caused by family, caused by society. For those who are still processing that, this is home for those who long to be known and loved for who they are, this is home. Rachel Held Evans in her book, Searching for Sunday, says this is what God's kingdom is like. A bunch of outcasts and oddballs gathered at a table, not because they are rich or worthy or good, but because they are hungry, because they said yes. There's always more room at the table for more people. We are here. I am here because I'm tired of saying no. I want to say yes to life. I want to say yes to what God is doing in this world. There's too much division in our world, in our churches. We need to say yes. We need to open up the doors. And it is gonna be messy. And that is the point. Jesus invited all of these messy oddballs and outcasts and people who did not have their stuff together. They were a mess. But that is the beauty of it. The whole point was Jesus is saying, God works through the mess. That's how God works. It's how God functions. So we will be a community of outcasts and oddballs. Yes, I'm calling you all a bunch of oddballs. <laughs> but no matter what, we will always gather around the table and say, you have a place here. And so as we gather around the table, as we do with, with every other disciples of Christ's church around the world, I'm gonna take some hand sanitizer too. We gather around the table as we remember the night before Jesus died when he gathered with his friends around the table and he shared food and he shared meal and he shared wine. And he took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. Every time you eat, remember me. 
poured out the wine, our case, the juice. This is my blood poured out for you. Every time you drink it, remember me. Broken for you, poured out for you. Because God expresses himself, because love expresses herself through sacrifice and through giving of ourselves to others. So I invite you all to the table. to accept God's grace and God's love. Kimberly. God, may you bring gosh, may you bring everyone on the east side who is longing for community, for longing for a safer place to experience love and community and belonging and healing. We thank you for everyone who is a part of Mission Gathering, for everyone here today, for those who are in the family of Mission Gathering in Issaquah who are not here. We thank you for the Mission Gathering family in San Diego and Pasadena and Charlotte, Denver, for providing a, a space to belong and to find love and to experience your grace and love. So may the people here live out your love in every interaction that they have. By doing so, we bring your world into ours. Heaven meets earth wherever we express your love. In Christ's name, amen. See you next time. Thank you all for being here.